Tell me more about my eyesight. Well, I'm jealous of it, obviously. I'm wearing these spectacles, and I just happen to glance over. And I'm like, I know this chick is not sitting over there without spectacles talking about. I'm not used to the screen, and I would have had to adjust my glasses 15 times. <laughs> okay. um, this is the S thing, yeah. We have to reduce the S's. The S's. Yeah, mm. S's. Ooh, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Symbols. Yeah, that's, that's oh, that's better. That's much better. Okay. Uh, we'll keep going then whenever you're ready. Okay. I can just start talking? Mm-hmm. Welcome to our new podcast, Random Science. I'm your host, Francine Dash, and I'm here today with our producer, Gail Jones. Now, COVID-19 created a worldwide pandemic unlike anything we'd ever seen in recent history. In the winter of 2019, the COVID-19 virus was introduced to the United States, and by March 2020, it became known to the rest of the country, really the rest of the world. And in between that time, many, many people became ill. Unfortunately, some of them passed away. But the good news is, or at least the good news for some, is that vaccines were created and these vaccines offered hope. But for others, they weren't so sold on the vaccine. So Gail and I, really Gail, you came to me about this podcast, really wanted to talk to the other folk who had other opinions about the vaccine not being for them. Why don't you Tell us, well, first of all, thank you for sitting down with me to talk about random science and its inception. But why don't you tell us a little bit about how this kind of formulated in your mind? Well, Francine, thank you for having me and thank you for um, the opportunity to uh, work this out in my mind. <laughs> um, I believe that the experience that we had with COVID uh, across the world has been quite overwhelming in the fact that it happened so fast and there were a lot of questions and there were a lot of answers that were needed. Um, I think we got into a what is this mode and trying to fix it at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then coupled with the fact that uh, we live in an age of people really, really wanting to know what's going on, Mm -hmm. um, answers were not coming fast enough. Right, right. And with the right to know, people felt that they needed the right to know everything before they tried anything. So it was just a lot going on. And now that we're through that for the last, what, two and a half years? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're looking back now. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, especially uh, people that were working in the medical field, I don't think we've really had a chance to process this whole experience. And this is what this show is really about, really. Yes. We, we're going to take the, the mm-hmm. time to process. And we're really not looking at people's personal views to correct where they yeah. are, or the change where they are. We really want to understand where they are mm-hmm. and kind of understand a little bit more about this disconnect. And, and like you said, people not getting the answers to questions that they were needing fast enough. But there was, there was also a debate about the, the answers that were given and whether or not they were true. This became a very political space very, very quickly. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the challenges of that being in the medical field? Well, it was, uh, in my own personal opinion, I think the political portion, uh, added some some problems to mm-hmm. the medical part getting forward. Uh, 
as I said, you had people with the theory that everything was a lie <laughs> uh, or, or whatever the case may be, instead mm-hmm. of just trying to figure it out and to see with their own eyes that people were in fact dying mm-hmm. and that something needed to be done. Mm-hmm. But the um, in this case, the political part of it weighed quite a bit on the um, how things develop so slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed that the uh, media kind of grabbed that. Um, that came more to the forefront than the facts did. Well, I think the media was challenged. I usually don't defend yeah. media, even though we're a part of it in a way. Mm-hmm. But it's it, I'm challenged because a lot of political leaders, you know, were in the media espousing mm-hmm. different things. So mm-hmm. uh, there seemed like there was this contest of of narratives that were out there. And, and I guess it, it, it certainly seemed to cause some challenges with people being able to readily accept that, Hey, we really were going through a thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the political side of things, uh, I think the other part in the middle, so to speak, was the fact that people wanted to exercise their right to know and the right to uh, do what they felt was best for their own body. Mm-hmm. But, it was, you know, the information was either true or false, and they had to find their, themselves in the middle of that, right. trying to figure out, well, okay, well, what's the best choice to make, you know, for the rights that I know that I have? And everybody doesn't get to that at the same rate. No, right? no. Right. And, and what we're going to have a unique opportunity to do is to talk to some people who probably felt like they were overlooked, not because they got the vaccination or they didn't get the vaccination, but because they feel that their personal autonomy was lost in that whole debate mm-hmm. um what is your expectation of uh, of of the show as we move forward with guests what do you want people to leave with after we've had an opportunity to have a conversation with them well i i, I think i wanted to be first of all um reflective in other words going back to some of those experiences that people were actually having during the time. I, I look at this experience as, as almost like the um, experience of, of death and dying. You, mm-hmm. you go through different emotional, psychological experiences, but when you're in, right in the moment of trying to do, with, you know, making decisions for yourselves or taking care of the sick or having to make decisions on if I'm going to have a job or just daily things, uh, to come out on the other side, wondering if you did r- make the right decisions, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or even to even reflect on how you were even feeling, mm-hmm. or, you know, the emotional part of what you were going through uh, during that time, right? And then to bring it up to date and to see how can we go forward mm-hmm. um, with the information that we had and what can we expect the world to look like now. This virus, this pandemic has really shed light on a lot of different things. And I Mm -hmm. hope that we are able to have more discussions about some of those things, if not all of them, particularly the disparity in the medical field with with treatment, um, also with pre-existing conditions that that people may have that causes them to fall or Mm -hmm. be more susceptible to the virus and Mm -hmm. and seeing where those where those folks are. What, what do you want the takeaway to be for 
the medical profession, and I'm not just talking about what narrative they put out there, but really I'm talking about the care that they provide for people when there isn't a pandemic. What do, what do you want the takeaway to be? Well, there's, there's two parts to that, actually. Um, the first part is to reflect on how people were treated uh, to improve on treatment or to, if we were ever to be in the situation again, to put guidelines and things in place that people would feel comfortable with moving forward with whatever, with, with whatever needs to be done. That's, num- that's the first part of it. The second part of it is since that we have been through this now, we have a, a plethora of information that needs to be researched, mm-hmm. if you will. You've had people that got the vaccine, people that didn't, and adverse effects of everything. So I think we need to be in a fact-finding mode after the fact to find out um, really what actually did happen and, and what can we come up with that can make it better mm-hmm. for the next time. Mm-hmm. There's been also a lot of talk about the residual effects of the pandemic, the, the rise in, in violent crime and the rise in, in suicides and, and uh, drug overdoses. Uh, but these were also problems before the pandemic, right? So uh, what does this really say when we come to a space and we're recognizing you know, conditions that were already there as though they are new? Well, um, as you were talking, I was actually thinking about during the time of COVID, all the other things that we were going through, mm-hmm. then all the violence, all the police action shootings, and mm-hmm. uh, people still, you know, being asked to quarantine, but felt that they needed to get out mm-hmm. and to, uh, uh, to, you know, express their points of view or to, you know, I think we had more riots during during the uh, pandemic than I ever knew in my lifetime. You know, uh, big cities and things closing down mm-hmm. because of one thing or another, and it didn't necessarily had have to do with with COVID, mm-hmm. but um, all of the other things. Yeah, going on. it was just everything else that was going on. Just like okay, here we are. So um, well, it did have this end of the end of the time feel to it, you know, yes, with the vacant streets and the mm-hmm. and the spoiling food in the grocery yes. store freezers yes. and and all of that. I mean, it, it for a lot of places it looked quite eerie to see the streets it and was. and in otherwise bustling cities totally abandoned. So I, I, it seems as though that may have even had a psychological effect because we have normally seen that at least in this country. In movies. Oh, yeah. I have never, even like back in the 60s, um, when they were having the riots in the big cities and things like this, I just never imagined it would be in my own city, mm-hmm. that downtown and, and things like that, people having to close businesses and everything to um, make themselves safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, like medical workers, still had to go to work every day. Mm. and still mm-hmm. treat the dead and the dying and, and, and make sure that families were connected in that, those final moments and things like that. Yeah, that had to be hard. And, and this whole new mm. term that we created called the essential worker. Right. right. Mm. Did you feel essential? <laughs> what, what is essential to you? Well, um, 
I, I never can coin that <laughs> because as a as a medical worker, you just do your you just do your job. Right. You don't. I don't think of myself as, uh, or I thought of myself as essential. I just thought of it as my job that I needed to do to help in a situation where help was needed. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, for some who are probably even more skeptical, it 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 was uh, their belief was that this whole essential worker phrase or term was one to make you feel better about going to the front lines of this pandemic. And, you know, but for others, they use this as an opportunity to shine a light on their working conditions and to kind of help, hopefully help make improvements. Do you think that it it's an effective tool for looking at the environment of essential workers and, you know, especially some of these shortages that we've seen in hospital staffing, do you think it'd be effective to make some changes there? And do you think they're going to stick? That's a whole <laughs> podcast by itself <laughs> for sure. And maybe uh, we'll talk about it. And that. yes, let's stick a pin in it. Let's, let's say that um, in going forward, the essential worker in healthcare you know, what does that look like? Because the essential worker can be the teachers or, you know, the truck driver that's trying to get supplies there. That that word has kind of like been expanded. Mm-hmm. So, Or apparently someone who works at Amazon. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> or any of the places where we right. needed to get our toilet paper so or laundry detergent or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, so everyone, if you have a job, Trust me, in some way you're an essential worker, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it, it has a different uh, connotation now, I think. You know? I'm looking forward to some of the conversations we're going to have with people. I'm looking forward to the candid nature that I, I hope we can foster and, and the authenticity that, that we're bringing to the table. I'm looking forward to creating a safe space to have some tough discussions because a lot has happened mm-hmm. over these last couple of years. We've had a lot of things with the social justice uh, uh, movement and it seemed like we've gone through 20 years of changes in just a couple of years. Oh yeah. You know, and, and um, even the, the vaccine itself had the speed of its creation and then all of the doubt and criticism and all of the things that we're still kind of trying to figure out. There's, there's just a lot to process. It really is. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm looking forward to this. And is there anything that you want to leave with listeners as they continue to stay with us and listen to the people we have on the show? And again, we're not here to morph people's opinions. We're not here to tell people what is right or wrong for them to believe. What we're really here to do is to give them a safe space to share their views and opinions about life as it was for them during this pandemic. And I think that that's it, Francine. That's, that would be it. Uh, because I think that we all need that. Mm-hmm. You know, a safe, safe space to talk about the things that we experienced mm-hmm. during that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, thank you. Thank you again for sitting in with me. This has been fun. It's always fun when we can get together like this. Yes. <laughs> You're doing more than just hiding behind the board. Well, <laughs> Yes, I think this COVID has really, uh, you know, I've been behind the door for (laughs) ready to do something. Ready to do something else. 
Well, we're going to let that be the last word. And that is Gail Jones, the producer of, of the show, who's invited me into this idea. And we've kind of come together as a cooperative effort. And we both saw the importance of creating this, as we call it, a safe space for people to kind of decompress post-COVID or, or at least the crux of the pandemic. With that, I want to thank all of our listeners, people who are tuning into us the first time. I want to thank you especially. Stay with us and let us know what you think on our website, on our social media. Thank you to all of our listeners for all of our other podcasts, for your participation. We want to encourage all of you to continue this discussion and others on our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. This podcast has been brought to you by Pointcast News and Elyad Productions, a studio for podcasters, musicians, and anyone who has anything to say. To listen to any of our podcasts, please visit our website at pointcast.news or visit us at Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on our social media pages at Facebook and Instagram. And with that, everyone, join us next time. Until then, be blessed and take care.